This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, and uh, good evening. Uh, we're now back again, and uh, I've been, as always, joined by the uh, the beautiful Daniel and beautiful Andy. How are you doing, boys? You both okay? Not too bad, myself, mate. Not too bad. Good, good. Danny? Yes, yeah, not too bad. Uh, as, as good as a late equaliser makes you feel. <laughs> yeah, we're getting good at that, aren't we? We've got a yeah, couple too- of late, late winners, or equalisers. Yes, two this season though. I was jokingly saying to my mate next to me, "Oh yeah, we should have we should have Vokesy back now to do what she- happened against Sheffield Wednesday that game." But it's the only thing he was good for really when it when he was here. Well, mate, it would be nice to actually not get into the habit of trying to get late equalisers. It'd be nice to get late winners or Christ, even you know do some do something crazy and like go two nil up. You know, <laughs> travesty. Never going to uh, happen, um, mate. Never going to happen. Yeah, our three nil and three one predictions, including Graham's three one prediction, was a little bit off. Uh, but we'll we'll get into that. Um, but anyway, boys, yeah, thanks for for joining us. So, uh, just one thing I wanted to do before we kind of get into the whole pod side of things. Now, um, the people who've been listening for some time may have noticed that there's slight changes to the intro a little bit, um, and you know, so also the end of the pod. Um, so, I just want to kind of explain that a little bit more, so it makes a little bit more sense to people. So. Um, now, in terms of structure, nothing's changing uh, to the pod, but you know we've we're kind of kind of probably quite proud actually to to confirm that we've been, we've been picked up as part of the Talksport fan network that Talksport are going to be launch, launching um, in around December officially. Um, but we've been obviously uh, successful in terms of that, so they want us obviously to jump on there. And uh, I just want to say, you know, more than anything else, nothing's going to change in terms of content of the show. Talk sport do not dictate in any way what we talk about. We'll continue to be honest, unbiased. You know, we'll just basically being the normal pod that anyone has been used to. So all's the reasons, and I'll, I'll happily explain the reasons why we decided to to accept going on there. Um, and the, the simple reasons for me, and I'm not going to speak for Andy and, and Dan; they can speak for themselves. But um, I think from a kind of exposure perspective obviously it opens up some doors for us from a podcast kind of growth side of things to be honest I think that's a obviously an important thing we all know whether you love more hate and talk sport you know at the end of the day they have a very good um, open fan base um, and they have a lot of people who listen to them on a regular basis so I think we'd be silly not to from, from that side um, it, you know it means we could get access to maybe some other interviews and stuff that may come come up and obviously that other podcasts may potentially struggle with so we can have you know, support from there. Um, from a, a personal pod perspective, it gives us access to some kind of new uh, tools and stuff like that, which we feel could make the pod a little bit smoother and slicker and and all that fun stuff. But, you know, like I said, I think overall 
it'll help us to kind of grow and continue to improve things. Um, but, you know, again, I'm sure, Dan, Andy, you probably agree, nothing's going to change in terms of the actual podcast structure. Uh, we're not going to be biased in any way, are we? <laughs> no, we're, we're going to be our, you know, our loving selves towards the players. We're going to be exactly how we are right now as we as we speak as part of me as we speak nothing's gonna really change and i feel like more interviews and more players and things like that you can't go wrong with it can you you can't go wrong with interviewing some of your favorite players at the time being and like i said i think if for me we we, we said this and again we're happy to be open with people but you know we, we said that if we were going to do this and it was for selfish reasons um you know then we wouldn't do it if we're going to have content dictated we wouldn't do it so it's it's on our terms effectively so that that's the main thing um but yeah i mean i'm happy to just to move on from that i think we kind of get the point across so hopefully you know you'll obviously all support us um and we'll be able to bring you a lot more good stuff uh coming up in the coming months and years so um let's get into um tonight's game at the time of recording obviously it's wednesday evening uh andy's spent three hours coming back from the game uh, as you also he was, can't uh, come to me about the first 20 minutes because i wasn't there <laughs> yeah, uh, work didn't let you go, did they, mate? So, um... why did it take so long, Andy? Oh, I was meant to finish my shift at seven. No, no, but... I don't care about that. I mean, I'm <laughs> oh, me. oh, coming back. Um, obviously, Gail was limping and things like that. I wanted to see if anything had actually Who's gone. Gail was that he misses. Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, I wanted also, you know, see Alex Neil and you know, say like, well done for anyone what... else. Anyone else you're hanging around for a photo with? Tyrese Campbell and Joe. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, Joe oh, Allen. We got that one in there, didn't we? <laughs> we do like we do like we Joe, don't we? We do like we Joe. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd stand around in the in the in the you know dark and cold waiting an hour for a photo with him though. See, that's the difference between me and you, Daniel. Keeping keeping your good mates here waiting. Tell you what, it's these kids these days, mate. It's just all about all about that, isn't it? Um, anyway, let's let's get on to the actual <laughs> game. I think we've been recording about ten minutes. We haven't even discussed anything. Uh, so uh, yeah, um, I mean, Dan, I'll come to you first, mate. I normally come to me or Andy first. So I'm going to come to you first. What was your overall opinions of the game? Uh, we could have had it sewn up in the first five minutes, couldn't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think we there was a lot of effort, a lot of huff, a lot of puff, but we just missed uh, creativity more than anything. It was crying out for Nick Powell. Um, of the players we had available, it was crying out for Will Smallbone, and the manager called it perfectly, didn't he? Brought him on, um, injected a bit of pace down the wings, and then obviously also you know, bringing Campbell and Fossu on as well. What I did notice as well, first off, I was looking at it and I was like, there's no creativity coming from the wide areas. There's no, no players... There's no players there who are cap- you would think would beat a man, put a good cross in, um, you know, put, put good balls in. Wilmot's probably your best option out of the four of them. Gale's a striker, he's a finisher, and he's, he's not comfortable out there really. He's doing a decent job, he's not, but nothing, you know, you're not expecting much from him there in terms of creating. Um, Jacob Brown is Jacob Brown. Work rate sky high. Never, you know, you can never criticise him for stuff like that. He's, you know, keep going, keep going. But, you know, his touch and his actual, um, I don't know, without his effectiveness. Yeah, without without being horrible, like his, his, his like natural skill levels and stuff 
is not how he sees the game isn't the same as it is more sort of like say more energy and hustle and bustle is yeah. where he's at his best. And then obviously your fullbacks, Wilmot, Wilmot's probably like say the best, probably decent ball in, but you're not going to get much out of Morgan Fox either going forward. So I think we struggled. We couldn't knock the ball out wide to create anything. And then in the middle, it was so congested because obviously Swansea play narrow, don't they? With you know a lot of a lot of short, sharp passing. Yeah. They have quite a narrow feel to the team. So you know we were struggling really to create much. I think, and like I say, Smallbone did come on and uh, sort of changed the game a little bit. Just as introduction, just that creative mind on the pitch. I thought some of the Swansea play at the back with their goalkeeper was an utter, utter joke. How can you, as a player, when you've seen it break down on a couple of occasions where the keeper's playing it out with his defence and we know we've, we've turned the ball over? I mean, it's our fault for not making the most of it. But how, as a player, do you think, yeah, let's carry on doing this? This is working really, really well. I, I, I understand you don't want to pee your coach off, but Christ's sake, use a bit of common sense. I mean, again, I understand they want to build from the back, but you just can't do that sometimes. And better teams than we are right now will absolutely tear them apart for that if if they get a chance. Uh, I, I couldn't I couldn't believe it, and I I, I, say I couldn't go to the game because I had some decorators and stuff um, kind of coming around tonight, which is annoying. I wanted to be there for his first match, but either way, you know, I got to hear some of the audio uh, and the the Radio Stoke commentary and stuff like that. I mean, I'm I'm not going to comment on it. I, just wasn't very good. Uh, unfortunately, from the commentary guys, it's just, I don't know, there were seen players who weren't on the pitch half the time and stuff I like that. I think they said something like Gale came off for Delap and Apparently, yeah. Delap tried to lob the goalkeeper from three quarters. Away. No, no, it wasn't. No, it was Dwight it was Gale. Gale and Baker both tried them. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm sure it's a lot easier for us looking on the TV screen and seeing three or four different angles. It's just, at times, it was just painful to listen to. But, like, for example, I saw someone, I think, I think it was Rory, maybe, who commented about two penalties we should have had. We shouldn't have had two penalties. They weren't penalties. Uh, Dwight Gale goes down, barely any contact. Jacob Brown went down. Again, he's got an arm on his shoulder, but it's not enough to make him go down. So they weren't penalties. I think when people look at them back, they'll understand they're not penalties. I will argue with you on that. No, mate. I've seen them. When you see them, they're not penalties, trust me. I've re- if, if they're well, giving I, against us, I'm angry. I do my vlogging. I rewatched it. Brown didn't just have a shoulder on him. He got pulled back. Mm. It, no, it's soft, mate. For me, that's soft. If that if that's given against us, I'm not happy at all. I've seen far worse than that. But I mean, generally overall, I mean, I, I've made a few comments as I was going through the game. I like to do that now, just to stop me forgetting things. But um, I think one thing that was really clear from the first half, especially, and I put this out on the Twitter feed, we were absolutely being destroyed at left back. We were so open. I mean, Fox was back to his normal Fox. Um, I mean, Taylor was one of the worst games I've seen him have. He was just, he was nowhere today. Um, I think the whole defence were poor. It wasn't just on them too. I think the whole defence were poor. I think the only one who got a little bit of credit for me was Wilmot in terms of his attacking play at times. He at least gave us some form of outlet out there. Um, but other than that, the defence were poor. Uh, they should have had three goals in about 20 minutes. How they didn't finish some of their chances, I'll never know. Like, you could have been out of sight. And I'm just interested to get your boys' thoughts as well. The crowd looked really low. They've announced over 18,500 there and about 500 from Swansea or something like that. Um, there was no way there was 18,000 Stoke fans there, was there? There was about a similar amount to what we'd have normally on a Saturday when Michael O'Neill was here. 
Yeah, I think what happens is though, on the, when you're watching on TV, it always looks bad because we don't fill. Nobody sits down the front. No. But the back and the middle is packed, so it looks it looks like nobody's there on TV. You think, oh, we got all the anyone there, but then you are literally looking at all the empty seats, <laughs> or the majority of them. Yeah, and to be fair, it's not again. It's not really a, a criticism. I think people. You know, it's a midweek match. People have got schools and work and stuff in the morning. Let's be honest. I mean, it's what twenty eight thirty quid a time. Um, people I think on people holiday are, as well this time. People yeah. on holiday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think people can find other things to spend thirty quid on. To be honest with you, you can't blame anyone at this at this point of the, of the year, and for the obvious reasons. So no, no criticism. Just uh, I think the crowd was not what they what they declared. I think one one decision I would have probably made. You mentioned about Brown there, Dan. I, I thought he was ineffective today. Really did. Um, didn't offer as much at all. I was very surprised that Wright Phillips didn't get a chance um, in his position. I think Ryan Phillips would have added energy. He's still good at that kind of fast kind of wing play. I think he would have been suited quite well. The only thing that I can put that down to is the fact that Alex Neal's probably never barely even heard of the guy, to be honest, um, other than his reputation from who his parents and stuff are and all that business. Um, you know, I think that's pretty much all's, all he's got to show for it. So that's not a criticism of Alex Neal. He's only been here for a couple of days, but um, that's the decision I think a lot of people would have made. Um other than that, Tyrese, obviously it's great that he got the goal, good vision, uh, but at the same time, he missed a sitter. Uh, in terms of that header, if you look at that back, and again, this is the, the courtesy of having a good angle, when Wilmot plays that ball back to him, he is ready, he's set, that should be buried every day of the week in the corner. There's no one around him. Not much of an excuse for missing that one. So whether it's confidence or what, but Campbell should have scored. Um, at least they made up for it later on. Other than that, um, Klukas, absolutely invisible. I don't know what the guy was doing today. I barely remember a pass that he made. I'm surprised that he took Thompson off for Klukas. I mean, Thompson didn't do much, but uh, I just it was just an inept midfield performance until Smallbone and Co. came on, really, for me. That's probably my summary. I, I don't think I missed anything out. Bonham, yeah, Bonham did nothing wrong at all couple of decent saves. Uh, the one in the first half, to make it 2-0 it would have been, was a very good save. He's done nothing wrong. That's probably about it. <laughs> I can't can't really disagree with you. Um, I did ask Nick Powell when he's going to be back and he said Sunday, but I don't think he'll play. But <laughs> you never know with with Stoke and Nick Powell, do you? That, well, as long as I'm rushing him back, mate. It, I can't be affording that. If he, wants to play, if he is going to play Sunday... He will be injured for another two months. That's all I'm going to say with that. No, there's no point. I think I think Smallbone um, should definitely be starting. That should be Klukas' last game he starts for me. He's not shown nowhere near enough uh, to stay in this team. Not not for a second. Um, so I think we should be starting Smallbone. Uh, I mean, you said, did you say Gale has got a cast on his leg or something? It, it's or not. A... It's not like a cast. It's one of those things that they put over like the leg oh, and the shoe and everything. It's like a protective thing. And then Brownie was limping as well. Okay, so Tyrese will start then at the weekend. Yeah. So I think yeah. Tyrese might start. It might even give Demargio a chance. Which probably actually comes back to what Dan said, mate, about you know having someone more natural on that kind of wings. I mean, I'm not saying Tyrese is a winger, but I think he would be a lot more confident, and you know he takes on his his fullbacks, etc. I think he'd be quite comfortable in that position. I really yeah. do. It's, it, Campbell's best play, he said, comes from the right hand side, doesn't it? 
So you play Delap up front, Campbell on the right, right Phillips on the left. You've got yet again what we like to say, see three generations of players who've used to play here. Yeah, well, I think they're going to get a chance. Um, I, I, I don't think I'm trying. I'm trying to think of anything. Was Was there any? I mean, I know Dan, you've got the man of the match poll, but I'm conscious we've only just had the match. But um, was there anyone that kind of stood out for you as a man of the match? I'm kind of struggling. I mean, Bonham's probably got a chance. Um, I, I'm, I don't know, other than that. I think Bonham had quite a good game. There was a few shots that came in. Uh, I think the midfield struggled because of the numbers they were up against. Uh, but again, they, especially the first half, there was a lot of energy there and they were, they were biting it and winning the ball back in dangerous positions high up the pitch. And... I think that maybe that they tired second half from doing that. So maybe that's something that will come in time that will... But I suppose we don't play Swansea every week and they, you know, playing passes like they were around the defence and midfield. Um, one thing I did notice, obviously, I know on, on the preview for this uh, game, we men- I mentioned in there that the 61% possession was the lowest amount they'd had this season. Yeah. Uh, 52% they had tonight. Wow. Ah, interesting. I'm just trying to think think about the actual flow of the game. I'd probably say that's fair, because I think we had a lot of possession. We just had a lack of final product, didn't we, really? We also had had 20 shots on on goal and 12 corners. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you, boys, every single week, these uh, over six and a half or whatever corners is your bets. Get it in. Happens every single week. Sorry, 20 other questions. I thought, obviously, uh, Campbell and Smallburn sort of added something different. I thought Delap put himself about up front. Don't think he had a bad game at all, yep. um, considering. And, uh, yeah, Bonham, like I say, did quite well at the back. Um, Flynn, I think Connor Taylor was a bit ropey. His touch wasn't great tonight. Played himself into trouble with few times. I uh, wasn't surprised when he got sort of pulled off and they left work, just tucked Wilmot inside into the centre-back role. I uh, thought he had a decent game as well, Wilmot. So, yeah. But there was, I think there was a few decent shows without anyone being really outstanding as such. Foss you... look lively. Yes. Foss is always lively, isn't he? Um, to have, if you want, the current Man of the Match polls, like I say, it's only been li- live for, you know, it's got 68 votes on. It's only been live for about an hour or so. Uh, but Jack Bonham is leading that with 30% of the vote. Uh, second place is Liam DeLapp with 14. Uh, ben Wilmot, 13. Aidan Flint, 11. Tyrese Campbell, 10. I said I'd give you an update, didn't you, on the player of the month? Yeah. Well, th- whatever happens here, um, it's not going to affect player of the month because he's actually romped away. Uh, so the top three before this match, I'll give. Like I say, the, the the player of the month is already determined. So, but I'll give you what the top three were before this match. In third place, quite surprising. This will be for a lot of people. I think Joe Bursic. I think people forgot that he had a, he had a good start to the season, and then one mistake, and everyone was like, "Oh, he's crap. Get him out of the team. He's rubbish. I'm sick of him." Sounds like me and Mike after Middlesbrough. <laughs> yeah. Um, second place, uh, uh, Lewis Baker. Yeah. And 
Miles, who would you say number one? Miles away. Could Connor Taylor be up there? Connor Taylor. It'll be Taylor. Yeah. Connor Taylor, yeah. He's got nearly double the amount of points to lose, Baker. You're joking. Wow. Yeah. In fairness, though, um, he's a good player. Yeah, I was going to say Lewis Baker has actually had a he's had a decent start to the season. Um, he's he's not done anything. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a couple of good goals, obviously, but uh, you know he's not kind of shone in terms of like control of the play and stuff yet. But I think that's partly because he's having to play with two or three different midfielders all the time. Uh, at the minute, so he, he's probably not settled, but um, and all Baker, very different midfielders as well. Very different, so it yeah. changes his role game by game. He was very deep tonight, very deep. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll suss what that one out. There's no judgment here, but um, if if this is him playing, you know, not at his best and he's still, still scoring a couple of goals, I'll take that. Um, yeah, I can't I wait to see him at his best. I think it's interesting as well. You say about like obviously Baker's. Position in that sort of player of the month standings has been improved by him scoring goals because that always catches people's eye and they get votes. Oh well, he scored the goal, he scored the winner, so he gets he's man of the match. And obviously, we were saying about Jacob Brown not really performing very well. Um, and obviously, he scored a couple of goals as well, and he's nowhere to be found with this, nowhere at all. So you wouldn't, you know, other than the goals, is Brown contributing enough do you think this season I don't know uh, he, he's going to be a very Alex Neal type of player though isn't he yeah I think there's definitely ethic. there's definitely a place there for him in, the, in, in like the 90 minutes but I do wonder if he just needs to up his game to keep himself starting well if we carry on with the 4-3-3 uh, yeah I'd say so because there's, there's a lot of strikers and a lot of people who can play in that position and if he if he you know if he is having a bit of a knock, for example, and he can't play this weekend, all it takes is you know Wright Phillips and Tyrese to have a blinder at the weekend, and they'll be fighting to get back in again. I think it will be like that. If your game drops for a couple of matches, you'll easily be replaced. Um, yeah, one position we can do that. Yeah, Campbell hasn't started a game since Millwall on the opening day. Mm. He's just scored a goal there. You know, if he starts at the weekend, he's going to be up for it. He's just scored. Like I say. Goes on a bit of a run, and the rest of them are looking over the shoulders, then, aren't they? There was a couple of good signs with him and uh, Delap. There was that ball that he played back. That Delap was just about ready to tap in, and the defender got in the way. You know, that it's one of them. We're, we'll probably stumble on a partnership by accident um, in this scenario. I can see it coming. So yeah, for me, Ty gets a start. Um, and funny enough, you mentioned about the man of the match polls as well, mate. Uh, Anthony Hall uh, has, uh, has dropped a comment in there, just so you know. He said, uh, I thought we deserved something from the game. We made a lot of chances, but Bonham had a great game. I thought Campbell looked sharp on uh, on both Saturday and tonight when he came on. And I'd probably start him at Reading on Saturday before Gale. Bonham gets my vote in the end. So I think pretty much echoing what we've just said, actually. Um, cool. OK, well... Before we kind of start to close out this section, uh, we'll obviously Swanscast, who uh, obviously Luke from Swanscast, gave us his thoughts pre-match. So let's listen to his thoughts post-match, uh, see if he was happy with his point or not. Hi guys, thanks for having me back on the channel. For those that didn't hear me last time, I'm Luke from Swanscast. I do a similar podcast to this one based on Swansea City. Obviously Stoke played Swansea last night. And aside from the technical difficulties because the club's website just doesn't want to work sometimes and couldn't watch the first half hour or so. 
I thought it was actually quite an encouraging game from a Swansea's fan perspective, but ultimately disappointing in the way that it ended, which I'm sure you can um, understand. We had a bit of a rough time at the start of the season. That was probably one of the most encouraging performances for us, where we showed a bit more directness, we showed a little bit more chance creation that we are capable of doing it. And I, I couldn't quite put my finger on the formation that we played, but it was definitely different to what we've offered so far this season. Not really much width with the um, the guys behind the striker. You had Perot up top, who put, got put back into his natural position for the first time and ultimately got his first open play goal of the season. It was a terrific ball in from the right, by the way, to make that happen. Oli Cooper had his full league debut, making his first start for the squad in the league. And I thought he was outstanding actually playing behind Perot in kind of like a left um, attacking midfielder role. So hopefully we can see more of him in the future. And I thought we dealt with Stoke quite well for the majority of the game. I will be honest and say you guys did come into the game perhaps the last half hour. We started growing more and more in the second half as it went on. And we maybe tired, maybe some of our substitutions took some of the uh, edge that we had away. But un understandably with a lot of them, I don't think the guys that he took off, you couldn't question what he had done. It just maybe frustrating that the impact was more reversed and helped Stoke more than anything. Felton and Ollie Cooper coming off for Cham and Patterson specifically just it seemed to do something to the balance that meant that we were more on the back foot for the remainder of the game after that. Not to say we didn't have chances afterwards and maybe we should have buried one or two more and shouldn't have been holding on to a 1-0 win but that is what it is sometimes in a championship if you're holding on in 90 minutes of 1-0 something can happen and ultimately Silly, silly clearance, I think, from the goalkeeper. Just get it up the other end of the pitch in 90 minutes. I understand trying to keep the ball, if that's the style of play we want to do for most of the match. But when it comes to the fact that you're winning 1-0 away from home, you're struggling to get wins on the board anyway this season so far. This this game could be like a turning point for the season. Just send it up the other end of the pitch instead of trying to find your own man in your own half when you're outnumbered in your own half because Stoke could push in, putting the pressure on, man-marking, trying to intercept or make, make a mistake and that's ultimately what happens a poor clearance from a goal kick which not goal kick a open play but the keepers just kicked it he's kind of stuttered over it kicked it to the guy uh, Norton I think it was who has to make a recovery tackle gives a free kick away the rest is history credit to Stoke though for sticking in there and keep go keeping going they probably looked at some of our recent games and noticed how many leaked goals that we are conceding under Russell Martin it is a bad trend that we need to address as soon as possible, really. But, you know, Stoke did the job. They only conceded one goal up until that point and then kept playing for 90 minutes and got the rewards where they were able to at least get a point out of the game. So, yeah, overall, I mean, we showed a lot of good signs, but ultimately we still didn't hold on for a win. I'm not saying that we were ultra-dominant ultra in that game, but for what Swansea have offered this season so far, it was one of our better performances. And as for Stoke, I think it doesn't all look so bad for you guys as well. Obviously, you've got a new manager in, so it's not going to be correct yet. It's going to need a couple of games to get going. And I think the future looks bright for you as well, especially based on the fact that the team the manager's left has just gone and won um, quite healthily last night as well. So maybe that's a sign of things to come for yourselves. But thanks for having me on again. Hope you have a good rest of the season and maybe catch up with you towards the end of the season. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed, Luke. Always appreciated, mate. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be speaking again um, in the reverse fixture uh, later on in the season. So, um, yeah, just kind of uh, kind of moving on now, really, to transfer news. As we kind of, well, know, by the time this is released on Friday, uh, the transfer window would have slammed shut. Uh, obviously, we've already made eight signings so far this window. Um, and obviously, by the time you listen to this, we might have made another eight more, but I doubt it very much. So, yeah. Um, 
Andy, Dan, I mean, what what do you think is kind of going to happen? A little, little, little bit of fun. Uh, what what do you think is going to happen? Do you think we're going to sign any more players? Um, do you think we're going to release any more players? Any surprises? I mean, Etebo's still on the cusp, but some people would have him back. I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. But uh, <laughs> what what what's your kind of predictions um, for for this? Well, tomorrow. Yeah. So we um dis- we discussed about Etebo before, and we and we said that you'd rather put me in that starting lineup than have Etebo there. But um. It's one of them with Alex Neal. I don't know whether he is going to be back in the team. You said every player is going to have a clean slate, so that might mean Edwards coming back as well. Um, we've been linked to another centre-back, Federico Fernandez from Newcastle on loan, uh, a right-sided centre-back, so I don't see why we need him. Um, the other link which has come out today is James McCarthy, who used to play for Everton, has been linked to us. Um, obviously, Alex Neal wants to bring in a midfielder. Apparently he wants to also cut one of the loans short, which could be Kilkenny. Mm. So maybe he wants a more experienced head there. And to be fair, he's James McCarthy hasn't, you know, left Everton and gone to play for some third or fourth tier side. He's playing for Celtic. So he's not a bad player by any means. And I feel like James McLean could be a very good player. Maybe he's only playing Baker as far back as he did tonight because he wants to get James James McCarthy to play that role. And yeah. Baker's the only one who can at the moment. But I feel like we need a left-back. Fox against Blackburn was good. Believe me, don't get me wrong, he was good. But we need someone... I know that we've got time and coming back from injury. I know we've got McCarran coming back from injury. But maybe we just need something short-term at the moment just to help us in that situation. Because Fox was playing more of his left centre-back than anything tonight. Well, and didn't do very well at that either, did he? Let's be honest. We when, Baker left- tra- when Baker tracked back... Baker was playing more of a left-wing role like we've used to seeing. He was playing left-centre-back. And there was parts where Flint would play at left-back because Fox had gone that far over. He was playing at left-centre-back. Yeah, so he's having to have two people to try and cover his job because he's, he's not doing it properly. That that exactly. says everything for me. It, you know, Fox, yeah, all credit to him. He had a good game at the weekend. But it doesn't kind of excuse constant bad performance if this carries on. So I'm with you, mate. If we've only got one loan left... Um, then, yeah, it has to be a fullback. I mean, yeah, right wing back or right back, we can we can cope with that, but we've got no cover at the left. So 100%. I don't think we need another midfielder. I really, really don't. We we've we've got plenty of midfielders. And you know, you mentioned um, obviously Kilkenny. Uh, is he injured? No. Well, he's not on the bench. So there we go. I think that probably tells you everything. To be he fair, at the, the moment, I don't know whether players are injured or not. Like for example, <laughs> um, you know, Laron, how we said six to eight weeks. Yeah, I asked him, "Oh, how long until you're going to be back?" He says, "I have no clue." Oh. He has no idea how long he's going to be out for, which is really worrying. Great. Okay. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, these two injuries for uh, Brown and, and Gale that aren't anything serious and just precautionary. Okay, uh, Dan, any predictions from you, mate? Do you think we're going to sign anyone before well tomorrow? Um, if Gavin Kilkenny's going back, I. Th- think I can see a much more Alex Neal midfielder at Bournemouth. And in fact, I think he may well have played with him at Preston in Ben Pearson. I remember when he's been down here with Preston. He was a... I'm going to keep it PG. (laughs) I don't know how to keep it PG. He's a nasty Tommy Tucker. (laughs) 
I love that. Very well done. Very well done. Uh, I tell you what, he though, is, a little bit of grit and nastiness. Yes, he's never a, a bad he's thing. A, he's an irritant, and he's one yeah, of them kind of players. A Charlie Adam. Yeah. Now he, but but, but more, I don't know, controlled and he can actually tackle. Whereas Charlie Adam just gave away <laughs> fouls and got booked. Pretty much. Yeah, Pierce is good at like breaking up the play and irritating people. He's like Nick Powell, but a defensive midfielder style. <laughs> whenever, whenever a foul got given against Bournemouth, he would be the first to the ref screaming at yes, us. We need exactly. some. To be fair, our players have started doing that more. I remember a few months back we were saying, oh, we need players to surround the ref when something goes wrong. When something's not happening now, they're all swarming him. And I love yeah. it. Played, he's played throughout the first four games of the season. And then he got dropped for the Liverpool game, which I'm sure he was thrilled about. So he was only like 9-0. So he stayed well away from that. And then uh, he hasn't played in midweek either. So you do wonder, obviously with change of manager as well, whether um, Alex Neal may decide to send them one midfielder back and try and bring in another one from there. Wouldn't surprise me at all. just don't think we need another midfielder, mate. I, I understand and I think it's probably a very sensible assumption to make but I just I just don't think we need it we'd have to see another couple of midfielders go out for me we're going to be so overloaded in, in that in that zone when they're all fit but we'll see again by the time this goes out we'll we'll know the answer to that um a bit of club news as well so Alex Neal's obviously brought in uh, his assistant uh from from Sunderland and also another coach as well so he's starting to build things out uh, it seems clear to me that Delap and Co are going to be sticking around he seems to be getting on really well with them so um, at least for now, at least for this season. Let's see what happens at the end of it, of course. But um, I think rocking the boat too much, and maybe even for, you know, sounds funny, maybe even from an FFP perspective, he can't bring everybody in uh, that he wants to. Um, and he's got to work with what he's got. Do you know who may be the one? Because you think if he wants to raise money quickly, which one of our players are the one, you know, which one of our players there could he sell for money to then? Go out and bring in a few other faces. Definitely more than um, Fox, mate. He's worth, milli- worth millions. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> One that sticks out to, I think, Joe Bursick, maybe. Joe Bursick, for sure. Because he, I'm not sure he's his kind of goalkeeper. He'd want a more, you know, an older head in goal. And also, I'm not sure he's one for playing out the back as much as, as we were before. And I think, like I say, I think that. He, his stock, even though he's not playing for us right now, the fact he's still the England under-21 keeper, he's still quite highly thought of, you know, around I think his stock's quite high at the minutes and, like, you know, people still value him as a player and will look at him as a good prospect and I think if we can get, you know, a few million for him then the club would definitely consider it, sell him and then go on a bit of a late splurge of bringing a few players in for what O'Neill what what Neil wants. I'm gonna say that we're gonna make that mistake a few times, aren't we? Oh yeah. Neil. Yeah we are. Um yeah, no, fair enough. Um Dan, do you wanna just fill us in as well, mate, with the uh the under eighteens, under twenty ones, uh and we'll get on to the women's right. So you know how the first team have had a win and uh, a late draw and all everything's rosy. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that that ends now. <laughs> <laughs> so the under 18s 
last weekend. They lost 3-1 away at Wolves. Uh, our goal was scored by Nathan Lowe, who seems to be scoring quite a few times um, since he's come into the team with Emre uh, Tezgal sort of moving up through the through the ranks. Obviously, uh, he's been getting the games with the under-18s and a couple of the under-21s, and yeah, it seems to know where the back of the net is, so that might be another promising youngster we've got coming through. Um, obviously, they had a 100% record going into last weekend, so they have still had a good start. And this weekend, they are away at Ipswich on Saturday morning, 11am kickoff. So there's a trip for anybody who wants a nice trip to East Anglia. Uh, the under-21s, now they lost 4-1 away at Middlesbrough last Friday. Ouch. Uh, McGuinness did give us the lead and then Middlesbrough just went cold crazy and easily ran away winners. Uh, no game for them this week, so they've got a couple of, couple of weeks to lick their wounds on that before they can next get out the under-21s. And uh, obviously the women. So yeah. we've got... Um, they lost 1-0 away at Burnley, which was a tale of two penalties. So first half, Burnley got a penalty and scored. And then just after the break, Stoke got a penalty, but it was saved by the Burnley keeper. Um, There's quite a lot of pressure put on from what I could see later in the game, but they just couldn't get the equaliser, unfortunately. And then they opened up uh, first home game of the season. They hosted Wolves midweek. Um, they are top of the league, Wolves, and promotion favourites. And I think it showed because they won 5-0. Um, so, yes. Uh the women this weekend have got a home game against Brighouse on Sunday, kicking off at 2pm. Um, so I don't know about you guys, but my plan is to go and watch the Reading game, kicking off at 12, and then as soon as that finishes, walk out of the clubhouse there and go and watch the women's game. When you said you were going the Reading game, I thought you meant you were actually going the Reading game. <laughs> I mean, I am. I'm making the tri- the dreaded trip. I have made that trip on more than one occasion. I did it midweek. To the soulless bowl that used to be called the Majeski Stadium. Still is. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yes. I actually texted Lou the other day and uh, <laughs> I said to her, I said, uh, yeah, yeah, I t- told her that was my plan. And obviously we've got tickets for the women's game um, on Tuesday at the Bet365 as well, you know, the international. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sort of said to her, I said, you know, hopefully, you know, they, they watch, they introduce them to women, the women's football as well, and you can get them hooked. I said, because obviously, you know, if the kids are going, it's far easier for me to get a pass out to go and watch as well. Yeah. And uh, and she and she messaged me back. She said, you don't know how many people say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I bet she gets a lot of that. But yeah, again, I think I think the the match at the stadium next week is going to be epic I think it's going to be great um, so yeah my well, prediction uh, is my on. prediction is that England women will score more goals that night than Stokes men's team will at the entire season at home oh my god <laughs> well it is against Luxembourg uh, didn't they win like 30-0 in a friendly in a, in a World Cup yeah. last year <laughs> that should be good fun then at least some entertainment for everybody at least get something yeah. out of it at the stadium anyway um, all right, lovely. Thank you, mate. Um, obviously, this weekend we are on our way to Reading. Um, not going to be an easy game this one, but uh, let's have a look at the weekend in a whole. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay then, so uh, yeah, looking ahead to, to Reading, Andy. Um, you want to kick us off, mate, with any kind of major kind of travel news and uh, ticket allocations, please, mate? Yep, so there's not really any major road works going on. Obviously, if you are getting the coaches on Sunday, they are at seven in the morning. So uh, remember that seven in the morning, not seven in the a long evening. day. That it is, it is a long day. There are quite a lot of tickets still available. Shock. Um, I know it's a shock, but um, yeah, there's there's a lot still going. There's still another block yet to be put on sale. So if you want prices, twenty eight pounds for an adult. Uh, over 65, 19 pounds. If you're a young adult, sixteen pounds. Under eighteen is twelve pounds, and it basically just keeps lowering down till under 13s where it is 10 pounds um not much really going on in general with traffic like i have said trains i have sadly haven't had a chance to research that tonight but other tickets that have gone on sale hull and qpr they are both as recording now have gone on general sale um we've got 1630 tickets including eight wheelchair spaces for hull uh, for the North Stand, it is £20 for an adult, and over 65 is £13.50, which is something you don't typically see. Random tickets. number. <laughs> I know, £13.50. Uh, for a young adult, which is 16 to 22, is £10. For a junior, which is 11 to 15, is £7, and anything under that will be £3. For the so East Stand. So you're classed as an adult. Sorry, mate. You're classed as an adult? I'm classified uh, as a young adult on this one. Congratulations, mate. Well done. I know. I know. It's crazy. Uh, East stand prices uh, work the same, but they are £4 each extra on that. So for an adult, it's £24. Over 65, £16. Young adult, £12. So it's just that little bit extra. Uh, coaches depart the Betfrey 65 Stadium on that day at 2.45pm for the 7.45 kickoff next. Is I believe it's next Wednesday or next Tuesday. One of them days. Um, for QPR, uh, the weekend, it is 2,000 tickets, including 10 wheelchair spaces. Um, prepare yourself because there's a lot going on here. So coaches will depart at 9.30 in the morning. If you're wanting gold tickets for an adult, it is £36. And over 65, £26. A young adult, 18 to 22, is £26. Under 18s is £18. Um, same for your wheelchair and ambulance supporters. If you are a PA, though, obviously you get your ticket for free. For silver, well, it's not any different, really. It is £30 for an adult, £21 for an over 60. They say over 61 in London, which is really confusing. A young adult, 18 to 22, is £21. An under 18 is £15. Same thing with your wheelchair and ambulance supporters. 
And if you want to have a seat which is restricted view, which I showed Mike and Dan in the WhatsApp chat last week. Just don't bother. Yeah, it is only two pounds cheaper. So for an adult, it would be thirty-five quid for basically seeing half the pitch. If you if you Google restricted seats for for QPR, (laughs) you will understand why you would never ever buy one of them tickets. If that's the only one that's left, and it's given to you for free, don't go. You'd have to pay me a hundred quid basically. But yeah, that's the ticketing information going on as we stand. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. I don't know how they can think they can get away with them prices. Bloody disgusting. Clearly, they the energy crisis hasn't made its way to London, has it? More expensive than last year. Oh, yeah, great. Um, anyway, hopefully, no one will be mugs and pay it. You know, there'll always be some people who will pay it no matter what, and Not all like credit to you. But... Yeah, yeah, mate. Um, <laughs> I just, I just don't. I it, don't know. It really what. does depend how I feel, to be fair. <sighs> yeah. Well, either way, that that's cracking support if someone wants to go and do that. Um and Dan, let's kick off the uh, the head-to-head stats, mate. Uh, see, actually, no, no, Dan, you did it last week first. I'm not going to give you I the did. heads up. You did, Andy. You're not giving. Stats, you're not you giving first. me my breather. Right. So no. um, let's start off with the insights this week. So I'm going to flip it around. So with the insights, Reading are looking to record consecutive league wins over Stoke for the first time since winning four in a row between 2006 and 2008. Stoke obviously have won just one of their last 17 away league matches against Reading, which was the last time we did that was a 3-0 win in November 2020, where I believe Jacob Brown and Stephen Fletcher managed to score in that game. Um, having won each of their first three home games in the championship this season, Reading are looking to win four in a row on home soil in the league for the first time since October 2020, where they will match their that same run. Um, none of Stoke's last seven away league games have been drawn. Three were three wins and four losses, with four of their five before this run ending level. Since the start of last season, no player has scored more away goals for Stoke than who do we think? Lewis Baker. He scored seven in that time. And bearing in mind, I said since the start of last season when he only arrived in January with the midfield and netting both of their goals on the road so far this season. Um, for stats-wise, we're a bit better in the ball position. We have 50.1% of the possession. Uh, passes average, we have 200... They have 256.4 passes per game. They have 203.55 passes. Yellow cards average per the game is 2.3. There's about 20.38 shots per game, with 6.33 being on target. And there's 19.06 corners per game. Our highest win we've ever recorded against them was a 7-3 on the 3rd of April 1931 in League Division 2 and a 4-0 win on the 30th of August 1994 in League Division 1. Our highest defeat was a 5-0 loss on the 16th of March 1922 when we played in League Division 2. Lovely. Good effort. Dan? Uh, I'm not sure he left me much to go. But... He's flabbergasted. <laughs> Or oh, is, is he so, admitting defeat, Andy? Sorry? Oh, is he admitting defeat? He never does. He's seen defeat, Dan, or are you going to try and... No, no, no. no, 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 no. Back side, mate. Right, so... <laughs> um, as Andy mentioned, you know, 1992, that run of uh, 17 defeats. So, overall, we've won 20, drew 18 and lost 18 games against Reading. 
that 3 0 win in November 2020, like Andy says, the only win in the last 17 trips to Berkshire, um, dating back to Boxing Day 1992. Both teams have scored in five of the last six meetings between these sides at Reading as well. So at least there may be goals at the weekend, if nothing else. The history doesn't say we're going to come away with a win, but it does say that we will be scoring and probably conceding. We did say that about <laughs> Swansea, mate, let's be honest. That's just yeah. every game we play, isn't it, Dan? Now, unfortunately, eight points uh, is what we've got this season, and that is one behind what we got from the same fixtures last season. So for the first time this season, that statistic is in a negative after Uh-oh. failing to win. But the good news is that the next two games we played, we both lost last season. So <laughs> so we can't get any Neil further out. than Neil one out. behind. Neil out, <laughs> sat the manager. I had someone like that tonight behind us. I was about ready to smack him. So, um, eight, eight points after seven games. Doesn't seem like a great deal, does it? No. But in the last ten seasons, only the last two... Um, have we got more points than eight after seven games? So Michael O'Neill is two seasons um, were the ones where we got 12 and 14. Uh, but yeah, they're the only two since like 2011 12 where we've had more than eight points after seven games. So the start, it's a bit awkward. Can't quite work it out, can you? It's not obviously it's not great. We're 16th in the league. Uh, but compared to all the other starts that we've had, it's, you know, has been worse. Has <laughs> been a lot worse. Nathan Jones. Um, <laughs> Tyrese Campbell is goal tonight. Took him level with Nick Powell. So nobody has scored more goals in the squad now than Tyrese Campbell for Stoke. We've been, we've been saying we want Tyrese to break that record for so long now. I know. And Nick Powell's been injured and not been able to pull away in his 2K hitches. Uh One interesting thing as well, Con- Connor Taylor being substituted off. Uh, means that no player in the squad has played every minute now this season. So every player has either not started a game or been subbed off at some point. Connor Taylor was the only one left. And uh, as it happens, Lewis Baker has now played one minute more than Connor Taylor because when he was subbed off, he was subbed off a minute later in his game <laughs> than, uh, than Connor that. Taylor. That's what I've got from there. Uh, obviously, away form, we've played through the season, won one, lost two. Uh, we're yet to score two in a game away from home this season, but we have conceded two plus in two away games. Lovely. So, yes, that's that's what I've got. Decent effort. Well done. You didn't, didn't need you much there. Have we got any information on the referee? Uh, the referee, he's only been announced tonight. I was, I've was i been checking throughout the day and I literally just refreshed the page as Andy was doing his stats there. <laughs> and uh, they've now given the referees out. So let me just scroll through because obviously with it being Sunday, we're right at the bottom of the list. David Coote. Who? Oh, yeah, not heard of him. David Coote. Andy Davis is the fourth official. I think I've heard of him. But yes, let's... So David Coote. Yeah, he's done two Premier League games this season and one championship. Ten yellows in three games. So, yeah. He's given... Oh, he's given 699 yellow cards out in his career. 
187 games. Ah, he's refereed us twice. Refereed us twice. Uh, two yellows, no reds, no penalties. So not a great deal to go on there, is there? So he's boring. <laughs> boring. Boring. <laughs> hey, mate, I'll take boring. If the referee is not one of the main ones making a, a foul or a, a fool oh, of himself, rather. We oh, yeah. are unbeaten with, with him as, as a... Unbeaten with him. One win, one draw. Um, and I'm just looking through here, and he's refed... Oh, my goodness me. Does he live there? He's ref in 15 times. Sorry, what? Wow. So he's ref in 15 times, 46.7% wins, 26.7 losses, 26.7% draws. Um, yeah, so that's... Biased ref. Yeah, biased already. Boo. <laughs> um, okay. So, yeah, and as the ready referee, he has given them... Oh, let's work this out. 0.13. So, yeah, he's given them two penalties and he averages two yellows uh, per game for them and he's given them three red cards in 15 games. Yep, thank you very much, mate. Sounds uh, sounds interesting anyway. But um, anyway, speaking of opinions, uh, let's have a quick listen to uh, Graham McGarry's prediction. We're going to do Graham first this week. So, uh, Graham went for a 3-1 uh, win prediction, as I think, I think me and you did, Dan, or there or thereabouts anyway. So uh, Graham's not having much more of a better time with predictions than we are, to be fair. Uh, but let's have a listen to see which one he's gone for this week. Hi there, you Potters predictors. This is Graham McGarry again, looking forward to the weekend's game. It's a Sunday afternoon fixture for the Potters when they head down to Berkshire to take on Reading, of course, who've started the season well under their man Paul Ince. And of course, don't forget Paul Ince. He's also got his son Tom Ince, the former Stoke player, in their squad as well. But they've been the surprise package in the early weeks of the season. Now Stoke will be hoping to move on from the midweek draw against Swansea and get three points on the road. There have been one or two more days for Alex Neal to work with his squad, get to know more about them. And fingers crossed that will work in his favour. Reading, of course, just suffered a little defeat earlier in the week themselves, but they were up against the top side in Sheffield United. So a very tricky game for Stoke, but they've got to start winning some games or else they're going to be in that bottom half of the Championship for far too long. And the gap between those sides pushing for the playoffs and automatic promotion will get bigger each week. So fingers crossed it could be a good result this weekend. It could be an away win. Just about. Stoke win 1-0. Graham, thank you very much indeed, mate. So a 1-0 win, going a bit more conservative than the 3-1 prediction, and I don't blame you for a second. I don't think we're going to score three goals this weekend, but um, always good to hear from you, mate. We need to get back into winning ways, so... Uh, yeah, I'll come back to your guys' predictions um, in a minute. But before we do that, uh, obviously, let's have a quick listen to Alex. He's from the Reading camp. So uh, let's have a quick see what he thinks about this weekend's game. Stoke playing against Reading at the SCL on Sunday. I'm not quite sure why this game's been picked for TV. Neither team it seems to be uh, particularly high in quality. But I think it's a good opportunity for Reading to be able to try and bounce back after a 4-0 defeat uh, midweek against Sheffield United it's probably not best timing to be playing against Stoke given the new manager bounce in inverted commas that may occur uh, I think Stoke fans probably need to look out for Tom Ince um, obviously you know all about him he's been one of our highest performing players so far this season extremely hard working 
good quality so far and difficult to understand why he's not at Stoke outside of the wage um outside of the wage bill concern which obviously was a big thing for for the reason for letting him go last year I think I think other than that it's going to be a tight game I can't see either team dominating it hugely uh Reading are going to look to try and get a reaction from from the midweek game and if they can come back and, and pull off a draw then I'd be delighted with that get get a draw and just make sure that we're not losing multiple games in a row It'll be interesting as well to see Reading line up with a proper left back for the first time this season. We've uh, we've had a, a young a young backup player play at left back. We've had a a left winger and we've had a centre back so far. So Baba Rahman has just signed from Chelsea uh, on loan for the second season in a row, and he'll be playing left wing back I think this weekend. And it will be interesting to see whether he can impact the game to an extent where we're able to not feel quite so exposed on the left-hand side when other teams are coming forwards because that's been a, a real weakness for us so far and Sheffield United really just kind of tore us apart down their right-hand side last night. I think the game will probably be quite tight. I can't see the team just walking away with it and I think I'm going to go over a 1-1 draw and neither team to be wholly delighted but not too upset either after the game. Alex, thank you very much indeed, mate. Um, so, yeah, a few interesting comments there. Um, I agree with you on the whole comment around don't know why they've chosen this game for the TV. I can imagine it being boring, um, a boring, boring game. I don't know why they've chosen it, but so be it. Um, and the, But uh, that's not what shocked me. Uh, the words Tom Ince, hard work, our best player, are you sure it's the same Tom Ince? Because he went missing more than he turned up for us. So I'm not sure he's got, I mean, it's one of them players going to come back and have a point to prove into. I can see it coming now, but um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think for a second that um, he's going to come back and do anything special personally. Um, and I'm pretty sure uh, Alex Neal will take a point as well. If, if I'm honest with you boys, I'm pretty sure we would uh, going into it. Reading, Reading haven't had a, a bad start. So, I think he'll take a point as well. So, yeah, Alex, thank you for, for the overview, mate. Um, and, yeah, speaking of um, team predictions, I'm actually going to give you my uh, team prediction for this week, um, if that's okay. So, um, I've actually, you won't be surprised at this, by the way, because I've already kind of given half a team. But um, my my team, basically, is Bonham and Goal. Uh, he's going to keep his uh, jersey. And we're making a few changes. So, it's going to be Fosu uh, right back or, yeah, yeah, right back. I'm going to go 4-3-3, actually. I'm just just to confirm. So it'll be Fosu at right back. We've got Taylor and Wilmot in the middle. And I've got new player at left back. I'm hoping that he comes in. And then the midfield three of Baker, Thompson, Smallbone, with Campbell on the right, Phillips on the left, and Delap in the middle for the three up front. Uh, Prediction-wise, scores? 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. I'll let uh, Andy, uh, what's your thoughts? Teams and predictions, please, mate. Um, first thing I want to know is what left back would you want to bring in? Um, don't know. That's not my job. Yeah, there, I'm, there's I'm the not problem. A high, I'm, I'm not a highly paid scout with worth thousands and paid hundreds of thousands a year. That's not my job. Um, I expect them to unearth uh, a treasure. So yeah. I mean, in all, in, in all honesty, to your question, mate, I can't give you a name, but it's going to have to be probably another young left back from the Premier League. I expect on yeah, loan. Yeah. 
I can, I can see that. If if I'm guessing if they don't come in, you've you've got to play Fox, haven't you? You've got to play I've Fox. Heard Nottingham yeah. Forest have got about thirty players they need to offload <laughs> tomorrow. Gotcha. <laughs> their wage bill will be obscene. But well, they've only got a 25 man squad. Where are they going to fit all these players? And they, 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 they must have agents queuing up tomorrow to, or like yesterday, if you listen to this on Friday when it comes out. Um, you know, like when, when you go to kids, who needs a loan? And they all just raise their hand and go, me, 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 me. Cut your left backs. Anybody left backs in the room? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Max Lowe could be a shout, to be fair. But my team, same again. Bonham and Goal. Uh, I'm going to go with Jagielka and Taylor at centre-backs with Fox and Wilmot as your full-backs, just because I can't... I don't, I don't know who we're going to bring in. Um, midfield three, Baker, Thompson and Smallbone. If Powell is fit and firing, put him on the bench and give him 20 minutes to play him safe and then front three of Tyrese Campbell Jacob Brown and DeMarjo Wright not Jacob Brown sorry Liam DeLapp and DeMarjo Wright Phillips with Wright Phillips on the left and Campbell on the right okay same as me pretty much and then I'm gonna go 2-1 Stoke (laughs) oh you think we're gonna win Mm, I, I, okay. like, I like the little smug in your laugh. Oh, you think we're going to win? Well, we don't often win on TV, do we? That's, that's my only thingy. Um, yeah, well, okay, we no. don't often, but maybe the new tactics of Alex Neal will work. Well, yeah, I, I bet he just wants a week with that match in, in the middle so he can actually spend time with these players. But, oh, uh, well, baptism of fire. Um, Danny O, how, how are we looking for you, mate? It's interesting you say that as well because... Usually, after the transfer window uh, shuts, like now, you get a two-week break, don't they, to work with the players because it usually goes straight into an international break. Mm-hmm. But the international break isn't for another three weeks yet. Welcome to having the World Cup mid-season. Yeah, so it's just interesting that, obviously, any other year, Alex Neal would have been like, oh, brilliant, get this game out of the way, and then we've got, I've got Fortnite then where I can just work with the players, get to know them. But instead, he's got good do the next three weeks going match to match to match before he can get a bit of time just to work on the training ground with him. Uh, my team, going back to that, <laughs> the original question, is quite similar to uh, Andy's team. Bottom and goal, Wilmot, Flint, Taylor, Fox. So the same back four we've played tonight. Thompson, Baker and Smallbone. So I'm bringing Smallbone in for Klukas. Um, they've got Campbell on the right, Brown on the left, and Delap through the middle, with Gale and Wright Phillips ready to come off the bench if required, with 20, 25 to go. Yeah, it's like I said, with Brown limping, it just depends whether he is going to play. Well, he's sort of like the bionic man, and he's like the old Johnny Walters. He just... yeah, I was thinking that. He could, he could break his leg into two, and he would still run at full belt. Yeah, it's, it'd still be. Fit. I remember, I remember when Walters played was like a hundred consecutive matches. It was like because of the way he played as well. Like towards the end of it, you you, you could see him was like crawling out the tunnel before the game. He was like knackered. <laughs> yeah, we won't yeah. Um, ever get that from someone like a Nick Powell. He's too injury prone. We're lucky if Nick Powell makes it through another match, mate. We'll, we'll soon see. Um, yeah, no, fair enough. Uh, okay, so 
Darren, I'm going to kind of gear you up to get ready for your gaffer updates, mate, just so you know. Uh, I have not checked my gaffer at all this last week. So, You're not uh, doing too bad. Oh, OK. I'll oh, we'll take it. I'll take it. Um, but I'll kick off first. So that's just a bit of a, a gearing you up. But uh, Super 6 to start with. Now, um, I'm not sure if everyone was aware, but it looks like there's been two Super 6s um, in the last week. I thought it was only at the weekends, but it seems like there was another one. Uh, maybe I didn't realise, I don't know. Either way, I managed to get my predictions in somehow. Yeah, I managed uh, so, to get mine in, luckily. Uh, Dan, while well, Dan hasn't done his for about three weeks, he's now, last time yep. I, I looked, he was in 103rd out of 106. So I'm assuming, I'm, I'm assuming. I scored 17 bottom. points. I know, yep. hey, you did really well. You're 18th now. You got 51 points with it, you're 18th. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that's annoyed me with it. I went 2-1 Chelsea, it was 2-1 Southampton. And I went for a Tottenham 2 0 win, and it was a 1 1 West Ham. You're just not very good, are you? Um, I am uh, sitting in 23rd on 48 points, so there's not much between us, mate. This weekend, I will take over. Um, and <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the key ones so Ash Mercer, uh, you've taken over, mate, and you name at the top. So he's sitting with 61 points. Matthew, I think it's Robinson. Unfortunately, Super Six cuts off a lot of the hot, a lot of these names, but I think it's Matthew Robinson uh, that sits second with 57 points, and there's a large number of people within a point or two of that. So this is going to keep changing every single week um, at this rate, um, and yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. But it's certainly interesting. Uh, it's in- interesting just to see Dan at the bottom. Now, probably probably in more positive news he's going to tell me that he's sitting second or something in, in gaffer but uh how, how are you actually doing in gaffer dan better than super six uh, i take it well i'm also forgetting to do gaffer oh yeah <laughs> okay and i also you were giving mike off. stick for that i also forget to do my uh no mark was giving me stick for not to do super six but it's three weeks in a row for forgot. oh my also word <laughs> forgot to do gaffer and I also received an email from the fancy Premier League uh, account saying you haven't changed your team since week one. <laughs> so what so, you're saying is just don't ever invite Dan to any fantasy leagues. Um, well, I'm in there and I'm still 22nd in Gaffer. You don't where need to change Andy's, your team around, Dan. Andy's 31, Mike's 37. So I'm still, I'm still ahead of you two, even though I'm technically not even playing the game. <laughs> um, Jack Curran leads the way, though. We've got a new leader, so well done to Jack. He's got 453 points. Wow. Um, second place is at Stoke Gaffer, 430. And Joe Williams, who was leading the way early doors, he's bouncing back now. He's on 422 points in third place. Not bad, not bad. Uh, I see that um, Pookie Blinders, <laughs> great name. Pookie Blinders are next, aren't they? Um, but this, this, if you look at this table, there's not there's not much points between anyone. I mean, this is literally like one week, and it can completely change again. Well, um, I'm on 303, for example, and then you look at 15th. That's 358. It's one game week could change everything. So I could still win the league yet. Come on. Well, how many points Come on, are you on? For Sunderland? You are on 284, top of the league is 453, so good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thank you, Daniel. Um, is there any final thoughts before Dan absolutely destroys us with a quiz? Oh, for, oh, we've not done a quiz for so long, I forgot about it. We have, mate. We did one last, last week. Oh, yeah, we did. It's been a long day. It is 25 to 1 in the morning, mate, so go on, Dan. You can What's blame this quiz? me this time for the timing. 
Well, I think we, uh, we've still got a bit to touch on here. I mean, Reading started the season playing 5-4-1. It'll be interesting, right? So they started the season playing 5-4-1. They got armoured 4-0 by Rotherham and then changed the formation to a 3-1-4-2. Yeah? Mm-hmm. They beat Blackburn 3-0. They beat Middlesbrough 1-0. They beat Red, uh, Millwall 1-0. Then last week, well, in the week, like on Tuesday... They got beaten 4-0 by Sheffield United playing 3-1-4-2. So does that mean that Paul Ince is going to change the formation again? Is he going to revert back to 5-4-1? Are we going to see 3-1-4-2? is a very strange formation, really, isn't it? It's, it's not it something you see very often. Season. We played it for a bit last season. I think if yeah. we're going 4-3-3, I can't see him having three at the back. I think that'd be stupid. So I reckon he might switch to a five, Dan. Yeah, you think we may see a more defensive side from them. I mean, I suppose, like, looking at these, like, they've got Lucas Yao and Tom Ince playing up front um, together. So, you wonder whether, how would that affect Ince if he goes, like, the 5-4-1? Are you going to put him back out to the wing? Hasn't Ince been playing down the middle at the moment? That's what I mean, yeah. He's been playing down the middle with Lucas Yao. Actually, actually, quite rate is... Quite one of the best strikers in this division, like on his, when he's fit. On his day, he's up there. Yeah, he's got a bit of everything about him, hasn't he? Quite similar to Joel Pirel. I was quite impressed with him tonight. He he really is a bit of a, a striker. Yeah. I'm very surprised he's still at Swansea. Yeah, it's. I think with Joel Pirel is he's been playing out on the wing, hasn't he? And then I think tonight they played him actually at striker. And. He, he is brilliant, but apparently he's still a bit sceptical on whether he's staying or not. Um, but yeah, Lucas, I would have, I was actually, I think I mentioned in the summer about Lucas Yao. I would have been quite happy if we'd have gone in for him. Because I know Reading had their sort of financial difficulties, didn't they? Yeah. It's it was either him or the lat wanted. Yeah, I was, he was a player I was sort of championing, saying, you know, I'd like to see him down the middle for us. So hopefully he has an off day and a quiet one. <laughs> We've done that with one or two, one or two, um, players haven't we? we've done it with Brereton Diaz we did it with one or two at Huddersfield even though we lost so it's not it's not something that we haven't done in the past either great shall we move on to the quiz Dan yeah well let's let's digress to the quiz so your quiz this week is on the Stoke career of Michael O'Neill okay are you ready we have seen the beginning, middle, and end of his career, so this should be okay. And then we can draw a line under it then, can't we? Yeah. After we say he is in the first and one yeah. for the Dundee in the job. Quiz, in the quiz then, we can draw a line under Michael O'Neill at Stoke and move on. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Question number one. Who scored the first goal of Michael O'Neill's reign as Stoke manager? Sam Clucas. He did. Pretty quick from the halfway line. Question number two. Who scored an injury time winner in Michael O'Neill's first home game as Stoke manager? <laughs> Do you need me to say it, Mike? Go on. Mame Abraham, juve, 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 push pineapple, shake the tree. I was going to say yeah. it was against Wigan, but I, I, yeah. Easy. Nice. I will give you a range of five. How many games did Michael O'Neill take charge of in all competitions as state manager? And this is 
like I'm counting the ones that obviously how many games were there from when he took over to when he left? Okay. Hundred and forty three. <laughs> oh, has he got has he got it? Is bang that on? right? Bang on. Yeah. I did I did do my Michael O'Neill video to be fair. I can remember one or two things. Okay. How many goals did we score in those 143 I games? Don't know that one. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go for Oh god. I'll give you five either side. 143 games. Those games which we didn't score, obviously those games where we scored. I'm gonna one, go scoring. eighty-six. Is that it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you a chance, mate. Go on. I'm gonna go low. You go high. Eighty-six. <laughs> one twenty-four. Both of you think we scored less than a goal a game? Yeah. Scored five and. <laughs> yeah, I know we scored five and one, and we scored four and one. But those games where we didn't score any. We scored 178 goals in 140. Really? <laughs> That's 100 more than what you predicted, pretty much, Mike. I, I, was, I, was, playing, I was just playing the game, mate. That's all. Playing the right. safe game. <laughs> Question number five. So you've got three out of four so far. Question number five. How many games had we gone without scoring three or more goals in a game before Michael O'Neill took charge? And ended that run in his very first game at Barnsley. Bloody hell. Daniel, how do you come up with these, man? It was a well-known statistic at the time. Yeah, it was a well-known at the time, but it's not at the time. Every week, it was just like, add a number on, add one on. Add one on. <laughs> was it was the what was the one of those Twitter accounts just saying, Oh yeah. That it should have been. <laughs> there would be now if it was now. Score three, was it? Yeah. So how many games had we gone be- without scoring three or more goals in a game? I will give you three either side. And I'm gonna count you down five or three, two, one, and forty two. 42, Michael. Ma- Michael's just flabbergasted. Oh, sorry, I'm speaking to myself. Uh, I said 52. 88. Hey. Really? Wow. wow. The Michael yes. first game. So, so, yes, we had gone 88 games and played under That's five different managers. Really yeah. We've gone 88 games, played under five different managers and not scored three goals in a game. Can we know what game this was? Uh, I think... Wasn't it it the Barnsley game? Yeah, the Barnsley game game was a 4-2. The game, the last time before that. Oh, right, sorry, before that. Um, No, I don't know off the top of my head. I do apologise. So... Who played, question number six, who played the most games for Stoke during Michael O'Neill's reign? Who's been here the longest while Michael O'Neill's been here? But question is... Uh-huh. James Chester. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam Lucas could be up there, you know. He probably will be. Um, um, Ty? Mm. Ty, mm, Ty was out of favour then, in favour then out of favour. Fletcher's a shout, but obviously had his knocks as well, didn't he? Could Jacob Brown be up there? Pick a name, mate. There's a cut. There's a couple of contenders. Let's go with. I'm gonna go with Klukas to play it safe. 
All right, I, I, I would have gone for Fletch, but we'll, we'll go with Lucas, mate, yeah? Stephen Fletcher. No. Oh. So I picked out six names that were towards the top end of this list, yeah? Okay. Mm-hmm. Tyrese Campbell and Danny Bart, 76 games each. Uh, you've got to remember that those players here that we have sold on, so Adam Davies could be up there, but... No, Adam Davies is nowhere near. They play about 20. <laughs> mm. That really does surprise me. Sam Klukas, 90 games. And he was you mentioned there. him, didn't you? Yeah, that was my guess. Joe Allen, 85 games. Nick Powell, how many games did Nick Powell play? Nick Powell Six. had that run of not getting injured, didn't he? Yeah. Nick Powell what, what was joint, Nick Powell's joint second with Sam Klukas, 90 games. Wow. And the winner on 99 games, Tommy Smith. Oh, really? We didn't have another right back, really, did we? Well, no, I suppose not. So we for for a period we did we had Edwards there and stuff, but then obviously yeah, he disappeared. Problem. And yeah, Tommy Smith was. I mean, the thing is, Joe Allen, eighty five, had a serious injury. Danny Bart was out of the team, back of the team, then sold. Sam Clucas had a, a serious injury, near enough a season out. Nick Powell had numerous serious injuries. Tyrus Campbell serious injury. So yeah. You, you, it's hard to think as well that like in 143 games, you only had three players that managed to play two out of three of them. Okay, no, is that is that the end of the quiz, Dan? Is that is that all the questions? Uh, not quite. No. So who well, scored well, the most? Who scored the most goals during Michael O'Neill's reign as state manager? I'd say Ty oh. probably can't be far away. Powell, he scored a lot. <laughs> it's not Sam Sturridge. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I know ooh. it sounds really bold, but. I feel like uh, he's not going to be top top, but I feel like Baker's going to be on the list. Um, I'm going to go with Tyrese. Tyrese. His injury nope. might have scuppered that one, but no, not Tyrese. He was injury did scupper it. Yeah, definitely. Um, Jacob Brown was second with 20, but leading the way with 24 goals. Nick Powell. Yeah, I knew Which he was up there. So yeah, Nick Powell, 24 and 90. Not whenever bad whenever Nick Powell's fit, he's either going to be assisting or scoring, isn't he? Yeah. So who was... Now, rather annoyingly, for this question, there's, there's potentially two answers, and I'll take either of them. Um, every, who is the manager's record signing? Now, when you look officially, every single signing we made was either free or undisclosed. So yeah. there are two two potential ones who have got varying fees linked to them, and if you give me either of them, then I'll accept. Oh, Dan, I'll, you are good at these questions. Hmm. You're very good. Like, I I know if it, if it was like outgoings, it would straight away be Nathan Collins for outgoings. So my first thought was all oh, Jacob Brown, but uh, Jacob can't. No, he was free. Wanted Jacob. Yeah. Um, Surridge was two and a half million. I know that. Brown was about two million. I'd say. Players we paid for. Um, cannot be many. What season was it? Michael O'Neill came in. It was. 
1920, 1920. Was it 1890? Yeah. No, it was 1920, yeah. definitely. The season after Rowett and Jones had blown all the transfer money, that's what that season. Oh, yeah. Um, um, oh, Ben Wilmot, because he would have been a couple of mil. Yeah, Ben Wilmot must have been a couple of mil. Um, I'm going to go, I feel like Surridge. Genuinely, Sam Surridge for it was about two and a half mil, but that's all we had. I I reckon it'll be. I think the two answers will be Sam Surridge and Ben Wilmot. Ben Wilmot was one point five million bargain. Uh, the two in question are Jacob Brown and Sam Surridge. Sam Surridge. Varying reports: Sam Surridge goes from two to two and a half, and Jacob Brown goes between two and three. So, yes. So, what that does say is he didn't really have much to spend. You can see where I'm going with this quiz, can't you? Like <laughs> when, we, when we sold Sam Surridge, it was like for a million less than what we actually bought him in for. No, we made yeah, a profit on Sam Surridge. Yeah, we made money on him. There's there's so many different reports since it was Sam Surridge. Apparently, he wants to go to Middlesbrough now. So, that was well, the only way we could sanction the Surridge deal was that we at least got back what we paid for him. Yeah, true. He's, he's probably 322nd in the, in the striking options at Nottingham Forest now they've rolled all these new yeah. players in. Right. Question yeah. number nine. You've got two questions left, then you can get to bed. Yay. How many academy graduates played under Michael O'Neill? Harry Sutor. Yep. Connor Taylor. Yep. Tyrese Campbell. Yep. Demarjo Phillips. Nathan Collins. Yep. Joe Bursick. Yep. Oh, Sparrow. Sparrow. Yeah. Uh, are we counting pre-season games or just... No, just games? competitive matches. If it was pre-season, I would have said... Uh, Emery! Bloody hell. Um, I would have said Jack Griffiths, but that's a no. Uh, how many more is there? Well, that was a question. <laughs> oh, that's, that, have we got all of them? No, 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 that was the question. Like, how many was there? <laughs> so, However right, many that was. <laughs> right, Phillips. Right, Phillips, Campbell... Um, Collins, Suter, Taylor. So that's five. Uh, Bursic makes it six. Emery, Sparrow makes it eight. You going with eight? The answer is 15. What? Oh, wow. we've, ha- we've had a mare. It's all the players who are no longer here. So there are... There are also the players who have... 15 youngsters, homegrown youngsters who play... I think in the past... 30 years of supporting Stoke. I don't think I've seen 15 youngsters come through. (laughs) So, question number 10, the final question. What was Michael O'Neill's finishing position in both his two full seasons in charge? 14th and 14th. 3, 4, 5. 5 out of 10. Not bad going that. Not bad. Not bad at all. To be fair, we were close on some of them, weren't we? We were close to some of them as well. Yeah. Well, mate, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I like the, I like the quiz. So, uh, yeah, so well done. Nice. We'll, we'll, t- we'll take five. Is the next one what happened during Tomince's career at Stoke? <laughs> Please don't. Uh, no one deserves to sit through that. Um, anyway, well, I, this is. I, I think I'd struggle to find ten memorable points <laughs> to make questions on. How many injuries did he have while he was here? How many times did he pick his nose sat on the bench? Anyway. This has gone on long enough now. <laughs> so, uh, thank you both. Cheers, Dan. I'll let you think about a topic for next week, mate. Um, and, yeah, thanks for joining us. So, hopefully, you know, Andy, enjoy your, your trip to, to Reading, mate. Hopefully, the, 
they come back with a positive result for you to to reward you for your hard work and everybody else who goes down there. Uh, we will be back as always next week. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.